This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Monday, November 1st. We're bringing you two stories about music and literature in Kansas City. Later, we'll hear from local bookstore owner Willa Robinson about almost three decades of selling black books and music. But first, Kansas City-based singer, composer, and harpist Calvin Arsenia is a striking presence on stage, well over six feet tall and decked out in high fashion. Arsenia told KCUR's Laura Spencer his new book of prose and poetry grew out of the pandemic and a podcast. He says it explores growing up evangelical and coming to terms with his sexuality. So the way that I set up the book was about kind of my early upbringing being in the church, kind of that awkwardness of being in it, and then the awkwardness of leaving it, and then the awkwardness of trying to date, and then to find finally a good relationship. Some of the revelations near the end of the book come from um, revelations that I got from doing research on my family, and that was really spurred on by, by yes, having more time during the beginning of the pandemic, and also inspired by the events that happened after the killing of George Floyd. And I was looking for, as I always do, I was looking for beauty. And so I spent a lot of time looking for beauty in the, in the, in the history of my family. And I was very fortunate to be able to have a history to look back on. Um, most people who come from slave ancestry don't have anything to look back on. Well, I wanted to go back a little bit and talk about that first section of the book. There was one poem called Rituals. Rituals. Every morning, I watched my parents kiss each other three times before they would leave and go to work. On weekdays, my dad left first, and my mom would see us off to school. But on Sundays, my mom would pack her three children into the family van, kiss my father, and we would leave first. The ritual they shared was not bound to feelings or emotion. It was a daily reminder of their promise and devotion. I had read that music was a big part of your church-going experience. My church wasn't really a gospel church. I went to pretty suburban white churches. However, what it did teach me was a lot about folk music and about acoustic guitars and jam circles and drum circles and worship nights that would go on for hours and hours and hours. So it really built up stamina for music for me. I'd take that toothy grin over just about any had mentioned your podcast about um, growing up as a church kid, and one one section of your book um, has excerpts from your diaries. And I'm, I'm wondering if there was any overlap. Yeah, so I was looking through everything when I was putting this book together, uh, anything that I had written or scribbled down, <laughs> because my my thoughts were, you know, how do how do you show a transformation? How do you show in in, a, in any kind of good story, you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And you show the arc of, of a protagonist through how they have shifted and changed. You know, I was thinking about what is the biggest shift of my life? What is the biggest change that I've gone through? And it really has been my, my emergence into and out of Christianity. I asked you over and over to make this queer straight. Your lack of action has sealed in this fate. You are the one who said truth will set free. So this marks the end of me hating me. Your author statement at the back talked about your shame-ridden years and that you decided to you know, stop hating yourself. That's the kind of the journey that, that I wanted to talk about. I, I, I don't want people to, to assume that people who have come out of the church 
queer or otherwise are doing so because they were always faking it because that's not the case. I do feel like I was connecting to something outside of myself at the time. And, and, I, and I feel like I still connect to something outside of myself, but it looks more like the energy of a crowd of people or a very sincere connection between two people having a conversation. There is something magical and unspeakable that happens when, when humans interact in, this, in a vulnerable space. Calvin Arsenia speaking to KCUR's Laura Spencer about his new book, Every Good Boy Does Fine. We'll be back after a message from our sponsors. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a division of UMB Bank, UMB always puts your interests first. UMB's registered advisors are fiduciaries, so that means they are legally and ethically required to only recommend investments that are the best fit for your individual circumstances. UMB provides one-on-one guidance to help you make savvy financial choices on your wealth-building journey. Tap into high-touch financial planning services so you can earn, grow, and create the life you want. Learn more at umb.com slash wealth hyphen management. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. 27 years ago, Willa Robinson began selling books as a street vendor on 18th and Vine. Today, she has her own space at Willa's Books and Vinyl on 63rd Street, with what she calls Kansas City's largest collection of vintage African-American books. Recently, she spoke to KCUR's Brian Ellison on Up to Date. Willa Robinson, owner of Willa's Books and Vinyl, what a privilege to have you on the program. Welcome. Thank you. So for those who've never been to your shop, paint us a picture. If we drove down there later today to 63rd Street and walked in the front door, what would we see? Well, as you walk in the front door, you will see pictures of uh, uh, black historians, uh, black musicians, black uh, school teachers uh, of old principals of our schools here in the, the Kansas City area. And as you walk down the hall, you probably will hear some jazz playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you uh, walk through the door, you will see uh, a wide variety of black cultural books, paintings, and books and music everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty, uh, pretty clear that this is more than just a bookstore. Yeah, it's 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 a depository uh, of our culture. How did you get your start uh, collecting these 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 artifacts of culture, these books and everything else? When um, I'm a uh, ex postal worker, mm-hmm. I worked for the post office for 31 years and started working at uh, 
Westport Postal post office. And right up the street, it was a bookstore. On my lunch hour, I would go up and spend an hour, 45 minutes to an hour in the bookstore browsing. And I started picking up black books, Mm -hmm. books about black people, just books. And then when I uh, moved to uh, Civic Center downtown, uh, the Salvation Army was a great place for me to browse. And so it, it just sort of came naturally. Well, so it came naturally that you, you were you were a big reader uh, before that point in your life, it sounds like. Yes, I have been a reader all my life. I started reading when I was like four or five years old. My my father was an avid reader and he always had a book or a magazine or something in his pocket when he came home from work. And I was always trying to, like I tell everybody, I said when he brought something home that he thought I shouldn't read, he would hide it, but I would tear the house up trying to find it until I found it. (laughs) So yes, I've been a reader all, practically all my life. And, And so when did you make the transition from collecting and reading to actually selling books? Well, uh, I had a a tragedy in my family and uh, I started picking up books. It was just uh, it was something to fill a hole and it became so much that my husband wanted to know, what are you going to do with all these books? (laughs) And uh, so that's how really I got to collecting books. And then a friend of mine uh, said we ought to open up a store. She she dealt in African statues and art pieces. And so we did open up a store in 2007 together, but she pulled out probably a year and a half later and I stayed uh, there on 55th and Truce, 5535 Truce. And I was there for, for four and a half years before I had to close down. I tell everybody that we opened the store up at the beginning of a recession. We didn't really know what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> Timing wasn't wasn't your friend there, was it? No, uh, no. <laughs> so uh, you say on your uh, on your store's website that you actually first started selling books, uh, not in a store, but as a street vendor. Tell me about that. Yes, uh, I was able to set up books in the uh, federal building. Then people would say, well, why don't you open up, you know, go down on 18th Street and and sell your books down there at different times. And so I opened up first time uh, on Juneteenth, I think it was. I I don't really know what year it was, maybe probably 97, Mm -hmm. uh, 97, 98. But I started uh, uh, being a street vendor on 18th street. So uh, are members of your family uh, inheriting the, the love of books and reading and, uh, and culture that, that, that you have been trying to pass on to them and to the whole community? Well, <laughs> not exactly. It's a long pause. <laughs> not exactly. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it must be very important to you. What happens next with this store since it's been, more than a business venture for you, more than just selling books? It is important uh, to the community because I, it is not a money-making deal, mm-hmm. but it's important that our young people 
have somewhere to go where they can find out about themselves. When I was in high school and I was taking uh, American history, and that was that's like in 1958. And the only thing I saw in the book about black people were they were slaves. There were not anything positive in there about us. And so it is important that our young people see themselves in books. That's one of the reasons that this story is open. I want our young people to know that they are important, that they are beautiful people, that they are intelligent people. I, I was speaking somewhere uh, a few months ago, and I said, I am surrounded with genius, but there are people that don't know that I'm surrounded with genius. I have sons and grandsons uh, that are just extraordinarily smart, for want of a better word. And that's just not my family. That's family all around us. Uh, so it is important that our children realize that they are geniuses. I want them to know that. That's a pretty good message. Willa Robinson is the owner of Willa's Books and Vinyl. It really has been a joy to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. That was bookstore owner Willa Robinson speaking with KCUR's Brian Ellison on Up to Date. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more stories about local news, arts, culture, and more, visit kcur.org, where you can also listen to our live stream. And of course, you can hear Kansas City's NPR station live on the radio at 89.3 FM. If you like Kansas City Today, rate and review us on your favorite podcast app, or leave us a voicemail with your feedback at at 816-235-8930. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon.